dealing with a subject ain't none of us want to hear, and that is about patient faith. We like expressive faith. So last week, we started a new series on the timing of God, and we dealt with the not now season of life. And as I said, there wasn't a lot of shouting, and I wish Cleve was in here so he could do, where's Cleve? He, okay, he's changing out all those wet clothes. I save Cleve so much money because he doesn't have to go to a gym. He gets his entire workout on a Sunday morning. But Jackie has him doing this thing. I hear this. I hear someone walking around a church going, and it's Cleve. And so the reason I'm saying that is warm up your shouters this morning, okay? Because today we're not talking about not now. We're going to go into a new message, and it's entitled Right Now. We're going to be talking about when your not now becomes the right now moment of your life. So since we're talking about right now, you can go ahead and shout even though you didn't want to shout about the not now. But, you know, listen, even if you don't shout about the not now, you have to know how to navigate through the not now because you will have a not now in your life. And your not now gives you pent up energy to shout when it's right now. Amen. So. If you'll say amen, I'll go through this quicker and you can get to your right now moment. Now, the first thing I want to do is go to 1 Chronicles chapter 12 because I missed this last week and I need to spend a little bit of time on this. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 says this. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Now, what that means is this, that of the whole nation of Israel, the Spirit of God said there's 200 out of the whole nation that understand time. And because they understand time, they understand the best course for Israel to take. Now, what we pull out of this verse is this truth is, if you know what time it is, you'll make the right decisions. If you don't know what time it is, you'll tend to make the wrong decisions. Because remember, I shared this with you last week. You can do the right thing at the wrong time, and it will be wrong. God's very much into timing. God always does things at the perfect time, even when that perfect time's not your time. And so if we want the will of God to be done in our lives, we cannot ignore the timing of God. So when we understand what time of life we're in, you'll make the right decisions. I've seen it over the years. Young couples get married, have children, and they still want to live the same life they did before they got married and before they had children. So they still think it's party time when it's parent time. You following me? When it's a new season, you need to have a new activity. And we, but again, if we, if we don't know what time it is, we'll do the wrong thing. So I think that one of the, the, the greatest prayers we can pray is ask the Father, what time is it? Because if I know what time of life I'm in, I'll know how to make the right decisions. Amen? Now, that's it for the preliminaries. Let's go to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. I'm going to talk about when the not now becomes the right now. Joel, verse 2, verse 28, says this, chapter 2, verse 28. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. 
Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, that was the prophetic utterance of Joel spoken about the coming of the spirit of God in the 8th century B.C. So for 800 years from the time of Joel's prophecy, they were in the not now. For 800 years, they waited. But the not now will inevitably and always become a right now. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 16. <clears throat> there was some freaky deaky stuff happening. And Peter felt like he needed to explain to the people what they were seeing. So this is what Peter said. He said in Acts chapter 2, verse 16, this is that. This, this, this freaky deaky show you're seeing is that which was prophesied 800 years ago. For 800 years, we've wondered, when will you pour out your spirit? This is that. That's what was spoken. This is the expression. The not now has become the right now. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now let's go back a few verses and let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to read all the way through to verse 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, that's an odd word to use when you've been waiting for 800 years. <laughs> and I remember... When I was in Bible school, way back before the age of computers, back when we had landlines, <laughs> I don't know when I became older, <clears throat> but back in the day when we actually had to use a Rand McNally to find out where we were going, I had no clue who Siri was. I don't even want to say that all your phones will go off. Suddenly, I, I, I did a study on the, the suddenlies of God. And you know what I discovered in studying the suddenlies of God? They were never suddenly. They were always, now hear me when I say this, predated by a prophetic utterance that took place some years before. So the suddenlies of God are only suddenly from God's perspective. The one with whom a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years. So when you wait 10 years, that's like to him. Oh, come on now. You see, God is not a man. We're creatures of time. God created time, but he doesn't abide within time. So what's long for you is suddenly to him. As if I only said this two millennium ago. It's only been 2,000 years. What y'all getting impatient for? So he says, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This is the suddenly that was prophesied by Joel 
800 years before. Now this word suddenly in the Greek is a phone, a phono, a phono. And it literally means suddenly, unexpectedly, surprisingly. I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but I do. Listen, God watches over his word to perform it. And from the time he expresses it to the time he performs it, he, you remember last week we said this in quoting Isaiah, and I have made you a promise. I have set a time. You can trust me. I have made you a promise. Everyone say, God has made me a promise. God set a time. You can trust him. Now, what the reason why sometimes these suddenlies are unexpected is because people tend to forget or shelve something that takes too long. And so what God was watching over and constantly preparing for from the time of the prophetic utterance until the time of the occurrence, God was aligning everything, but we tend to be amazed by the short-lived and impatient with the long term. But there will always come into the not now a right now. Is this okay this morning? Go with me to Isaiah chapter 48. I want you to see this. Isaiah 48 verse 3. Isaiah says this. I declared the former things long ago. When did he declare the former things? And they went out of my mouth and I proclaimed them. Long ago means to be extended. Long means to be stretched out. So what God is saying is, I said it, from the time I said it, there's a stretching out. Then he says, he puts a period. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm getting so distracted by what I want to say. I declared the former things long ago, and they went out of my mouth. As soon as they leave his mouth, they must be performed because there's not a thing that comes out of his mouth he will not watch over to perform and not one word that ever comes out of his mouth will be void so the moment they come out of his mouth you can trust it i proclaimed and then he puts a period that's all we need to know i made you a promise i set a time you can trust me see there's an expression of faith we all love the the harvesting of faith but there's an expression of faith that is patient, endurance, waiting in a place of trusting. If God said it, I've got it. That's an expression of faith. Many times the purest expression of faith is not in the harvesting. Even a sinner gets excited about the harvest. But it's when God said it. And now we're waiting for it, whether that's eight days, eight months, or 800 years. If God said it, we set ourselves in a place of patient, faith-filled expectation that God will do it. So now at the end of the period here, he says, suddenly I acted, but I declared it a long time ago. Y'all saw and seen what I'm seeing? I declared it a long time ago, long before you were ever born, I declared what was going to take place in your life. Before you were fashioned in the womb, I declared your end, that it would be a good ending. 
I declared it over you a long time ago. Suddenly, I acted. And they came to pass. Let's look at that same verse out of the contemporary English. He says this, Long ago, I announced what was going to be. Then without warning, I made it happen. Now see, here's, what, here's what's important, y'all. When God makes it happen, there's laughter. When we make it happen, there's donkeys. Ishmael. Wild donkeys. Some of us got so many donkeys, we don't even know how to feed them anymore. Because we're constantly trying to help God do what God said he would do because God said I was going to be famous a year ago and I'm still unknown. So I got to help God. I'll create a YouTube channel and I'll begin to prophesy to everybody. Come on now. We want to help God because it's taking too long. I don't like this not now. If God, if you said it, can't you do it the day before you say it? So then when you say it, I've already got it. If God did it that way, faith would never be required because we don't need faith when faith has become sight. But it's when we can't see it with our natural eyes. God has said it, and we're believing that it will come to pass. All we need to do is wait in faith. And he will, he said, I made it happen. That is so important that we let God bring it to pass. Because when God, listen, when God brings wealth to your door, he adds no sorrow to it. When we go about our own path of creating wealth, we leave victims behind and we add a great deal of sorrow to it because all human-made wealth has sacrifice attached to it. You had to sacrifice something. Maybe it was your marriage. Maybe it was your children. But when God makes you wealthy, He adds no sorrow to it. My wife had me just read. Is this okay this morning? My wife just had me listen to, and she said, we love, we got to be reminded of our roots. And so she had me listen to an old Lester Sumrall message, and it was so good. I'm so grateful for men like Lester and Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin. They just, they grounded and established faith in our hearts. And Lester was talking about when God called him to be a missionary, and he left America with a dime in his pocket. And, we, and when he got to Hong Kong, they all thought he was rich. So nobody was giving him nothing. And God had through a prophetic word, everyone say prophecy. prophecy. I declared it, that's prophecy. It came out of my mouth, that's prophecy. God had prophetically told him and Howard Carter they were to go up through mainland, mainland China into Russia. Now this was back in the 30s. And they were going to have to travel by train and donkey and go through Tibet and make... The problem was he had a dime. And even in 1930, a dime didn't get you too far. And so he talked about, he said, Steve, he said, every day, hundreds of people were getting healed, but nobody giving me nothing. And so he'd go back to his hotel room and he'd say, God, I can't buy a train ticket with a dime. So this is what he said. Everyone say, I'm listening. He said, Lord, I'm going to sit right here in this hotel room 
until you bring me the train tickets. I'm not going to go out to the train station and beg. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to help God bring this to pass. You're either God or you're not. And this is what Lester said. You can either meet my need in this hotel room or you can't meet it out there on the mission field. So he said, I'm, I am not going to bring this to pass. You are. And I'm going to sit right here in the not now moment, knowing that there will be a right now moment, but I'm not going to give birth to an Ishmael in the not now moment. I'm not growing, going to grow impatient. And he said that it took about two days and there came a knock to the door. And it was the pastor of the church who wasn't giving him any money. And the pastor said, it dawned to me, and I'm adding these words, you're a stupid foreigner. You don't know how to buy train tickets. So I thought I would buy the train tickets for you because you don't know that you got to buy them in advance. And he thought, you got all the money, but you just don't know how to do it. God brought him the tickets. Not only that, then the next thing, cause see, when we let God, is this okay? When we let God do it, God will always go above and beyond what we could have done anyhow. So it's much better to let him do it. Because not only did God give Lester the train tickets, but then there was a, 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 a general's wife that got healed in one of the prayer meetings. And the Lord told her, you were going to pay the hospital this amount of money. But you don't need it now because you've been healed of cancer. So give the money you were going to give to the hospital to the servant of God who prayed for you. She brought him an envelope. Now, how many, love? 30? 32 $100 bills in 1930. Lester said he had never seen a $100 bill. He said, because the only, the only, he said, dollar bills went to church. $5 bills went to the, gro or to the bank, and $10 bills went to the grocer. But the only thing that ever came to visit a church were $1 bills. So he said for him to hold $100, he said, and that, that was enough to get him all the way through Tibet. He had 32 of them. It's better to let God do it. When we do it. I, 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 knew, I knew a young lady one time when we were going to Bible school. And my wife and I were driving a jalopy. Y'all know what a jalopy is? It's a car that should have given up the Holy Ghost many years before. We had to pray. Tulsa is not known for hills, but there was one hill. You come up 71st Street. It went up about maybe 100 feet. I had to pray that I didn't hit the red light at the bottom of the hill because if I hit the red light at the bottom of the hill, my car would not have the strength to go up that little incline. So what I had to do is gauge it just right, start slowing down, and then when I knew the light was going to turn green, gun it. So I had some momentum when I hit, and then I could make it up. Now, a friend of ours, she went out and bought a car she could barely afford because she said, I can't go to Bible school, and people think I got no faith. So she went deep into debt to buy a faith car. And then complained through two years of Bible school that she had no money to do anything else because everything was going toward the car. Let God do it. Because when he gives you a car, there won't be a sorrow attached to it. Is that okay? This is what the Lord is saying. He said, I said it a long time ago. Let me do it. Without warning, I made it happen. Without warning, I made it. Without warning, 
I made it happen. Everyone say right now. See, when the right now comes in, this is almost like what the Lord is saying. Did you interpret delay as denial? Or did you think because it was taking so long that I could not bring it to pass? God said, I'm going to do it. But what I want to know is, even when it takes 25 years, Abraham, will you still believe I can open up Sarah's womb? Do you believe I can, even when it takes long? Into every one of our lives, God has ordained, preordained a right now moment. And when that right now moment comes, it will be the time of your life. It's worth waiting for. I don't know if this is helping you at all, but I'm going to bless myself. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I'm about to keep it real in here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time, we will reap. Now that word due, this, in, the, in the Greek, it's idios. And idios means not public, private. This is... This is <laughs> This is so special, right? Because, listen, let me... Growing weary and well-doing doesn't have so much to do with the waiting as it does the watching. And I'll explain. It's not the wait. If, if we all suffered our not-no moments together, we were all impoverished and we were all sick and all of us were broke and busted and disgusted, we could call that faith and suffer together. But when one of you has your breakthrough, just one of you gets your miracle, now your breakthrough becomes my discouragement. Keeping it real. I've been in church a long time. I know how church people are. Pastor, I tithe every week. Every week I tithe, and yet they got the new car. Let's not grow weary in well-doing. It's not the waiting that grates us. It's your breakthrough. It's your breakthrough. It's when, I've, Pastor, I've gone to every prayer line in Greenville County and Spartanburg County, and yet she got healed. It's not the waiting. It's the watching. Y'all following me? Now, this is the reason why this word do is so special. Because do means private individual see i can know your breakthrough moment doesn't have to grate me when i know i've got a breakthrough moment coming my own moment i don't know if y'all are getting this i've got a very dear friend of mine in florida who pastors a very large church and when he gets blessed i'm the only person he can call he's told me he said if i call anyone else they get upset and he'll call me someday and he'll say man brother jimmy i gotta this guy just walked up to me and gave me a $50,000 check. Not for the church, but for me. And I just wanted to share it with you because you're the only one that'll celebrate with me. And the reason I celebrate is in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I know you. And if God will do that for you, <laughs> I'll get a hundred grand. No, no, the, I can celebrate. See, Romans chapter 6 says celebrate with those who celebrate. I can celebrate your breakthrough when I know your breakthrough don't cost me my breakthrough. And when you get healed, that doesn't cost me my healing. If you are in your right now moment, I can celebrate your moment because I know I've got a moment coming. 
and my moment's going to be here soon, so I won't grow weary in well-doing because I've got my own private right now. And so when you have your right now, I can wave the white hanky and say, shabba la ba 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 But if I think that somehow delay is denial, and if I think somehow that God forgot me, or that somehow I have mysteriously become disqualified somewhere in the journey, then your breakthrough hurts me. Because I'm thinking, why, God? Why, why does everyone else have it so easy and I have it so hard? Why is everyone else in their harvest season and I'm still sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing and feels like I've been sowing forever? You can get to a place, and I know I've been there, you don't even want to hear of anyone else's breakthrough. Am I the only one? <laughs> I know I'm not. I don't even want to hear about your blessing. Are you happy for me, Pastor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus loved me. This I know. <laughs> for I think the Bible tells me so. But when I know that there is a right now moment coming into my life that God has not forgotten, Jimmy, before the foundations of the world were ever laid, God said, I've set a time. Jimmy, I made you a promise. You can trust me. And I know that this is my time. This is the moment when it's going to happen for me so I can truly and honestly and energetically celebrate your breakthrough because I know that God is not a respecter of persons and if he did it for one, he'll do it for all. And all I got to do is wait because eventually that not now that runs so contrary to my flesh is going to become the right now that energizes my spirit. And there will come a time that, like Peter, I can look at all the things exploding for good in my life and say, this is that. Everyone say, right now. There comes a right now moment into every one of our lives, and we can trust that. Are you all here? You can expect your own private right now moment so you don't have to get discouraged. So what do you do? Listen to this. What do you do when the not now suddenly becomes the right now? Go with me to Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Now drop down to verse 5. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, listen to this now, every man straight ahead. When the, war, when the walls fell, each man went in straight in, which means they had to change direction immediately what do you do when the not now becomes the right now you move you change direction now picture in your mind a square city four walls 
with a group of people marching around. Now, I don't know how many of the walls, Steve, that they would cover when they were marching. In my mind, I tend to think that the Israelites had the entire city encompassed about. Right? So the man at the front of the line is right behind the man at the back of the line, and they got the entire... But maybe they only had two. I think they had four because the Bible actually says they encompassed the city. So if I'm walking around the walls and the walls, I hear a shout and the walls fall, no matter where I am in my circle, I must change direction. I don't keep walking in the circle. When I hear, I change direction and every man is to go straight in. From whatever side, north, south, east, west, he was on, change direction and go straight in. It, it kind of makes, whenever I, I think of Duck, Duck, Goose. Y'all remember Duck, Duck, Goose? That's, this, listen, when we didn't have much as kids, we had to entertain ourselves with what we had. So we shot each other with BB guns and played Duck, Duck, Goose. And when you played Duck, Duck, Goose, you were in a circle. And you had one guy that would walk around a circle tapping everyone on the head. Duck, 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 duck. And as long as he's saying duck, you didn't move. But eventually he'd get to one and he'd say, goose. And it was on. Because now the goal was, these were simpler times. Sometimes I think back and thought, seriously, God, that's the best you could do for my generation? <laughs> You would get up and you'd have to run and catch the person so then you could become the one beating people on the head. Because if you didn't catch them before they made the circle, they won. But when you heard goose, you had to move. So what do you do when your not now becomes the right now? You change direction and you move. How do you know when it's the right time? Has anyone in here ever boated offshore? I'm not talking about an inland lake. Y'all ever, ever been out like in the ocean, the sea? Raise your hand. See, y'all had me thinking nobody in here had ever done it. Okay, now when you're offshore, do you know what navigational markers are? Navigational markers are to help you not run your boat ashore. Run your boat up on the rocks. When, when you're boating, Sister Fowler, if you would put that up there for me, please. When you're boating, high tech, you see navigational markers. They're red and they're green. Okay? Now, when you're approaching them, you're offshore, you're running parallel with the shore, and you see these markers, if they're like going this way, it's not time to turn. Just because you see, now this is deep, man. You think this is simple stuff. This is deep. Because see, if you see the markers and you think, oh, 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 there's the markers. I'm going to make a shortcut. Why do I got to drive all the way up there and then turn? I'm just going to cut and head toward the markers from this spot. You see the shark? You see the rocks? No, go back. Keep it back. Keep it back. You see the rocks? That's what you're going to run into. Everyone say donkey. You're not giving birth no laughter. When you run your boat ashore, you ain't laughing. You got to keep moving along the shore because just because you see it, this ain't your opportunity yet. Now you can go to the next slide. When they line up, when they line up, 
then they are creating for you a channel of safety in between. But if you try to shortcut and you try to, uh, I don't want to, I just want to go in now. Have at it, baby. And I'll wave at you as I'm going down the channel. And you're stuck up on the rocks. You got to wait till they line up. Now, Pastor, what does this have to do with kingdom living? Next slide. Michelle, I apologize ahead of time. I know it's a C and not an S. But I was too caught up in the illustration to worry about the spelling. Okay. When prophecy and opportunity line up, it creates for you a channel. Okay, but now, if it's not quite, then it ain't right. You don't want to take a shortcut to your opportunity. Because if you turn too soon, it's not your right now. You turn when it's right now. When it's right, at this moment in time, when it's right now. Then I make my turn. If I make my turn before it's right, just because it's close, I'm going to run my boat up on the rocks. But when prophecy and opportunity align, it creates for me a channel of safety to my destiny. God said, I'll do it. Let God bring the opportunity to you. And the opportunity has to align with what God has said. God, is this okay this morning? How do you know when it's the right now? Because it'll be exactly what God said. It won't be close. It'll be exactly what, this is not close to that. This ain't almost that. That's not, Peter didn't say, you know, this is a lot like that. God promised me a red car, and this is kind of like a burgundy car. It's close. But did God say burgundy? No, God said red. Is God colorblind? No. Does God know red? Yes, God knows red. Because he's like God. He understands color. So if God said, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to place you in this position, and they offer you that position, and it's close, but it ain't quite the enemy has taken more people out of their destiny by counterfeits. Something that's close, but it ain't quite. And if it ain't quite, it ain't right. Because we're making our turn when we see it, but we're not quite there yet. The right is not now. But when it's right now, when the prophecy and the opportunity are in perfect alignment, I now have a clear channel into my destiny and God has created for me my right now moment and he's created a kingdom channel everyone say right now mm. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 now I'm beginning my first closing is this okay you getting anything out of this now remember when I'm talking about timing not now never applies to promises of mercy I want you to understand that you don't need to suffer sickness one more moment 
You don't need to be bound one more moment. Everything that the cross purchased you, that's now. The promises of God concerning mercy, they are yes and they are amen. When it comes to destiny, we sometimes, oftentimes, all the time, have to grow into those things. There are some things we need to add to our lives and there are some things we need to divorce from our lives. There are some of you that you're not adding your destiny because you haven't said goodbye to those people yet. You're still hanging with the wrong crowd. You're hanging with prisoners and God's called you to go stand beside Pharaoh. You can't take them there. So there, when it comes to mercy, the promises of mercy, they're ours, they're yes and they're amen. When they're promises of destiny... We're growing into them, but they are coming. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every matter under heaven. The word appoint means to set aside a time for a special occasion. There is a special occasion set aside for every one of us. There's a time appointed for everyone. You have an appointed time, but pastor, I'm 60 years old. So? Pastor, I'm 82. And? If, if, if what God promised you has not come to pass yet, you can't die You can't until it comes to pass. Because He promised you with a long life would He satisfy you and show you His salvation. If it ain't done, you ain't done, so quit worrying about the pages of a calendar. In fact, the older you are, the more in line with biblical people you are. There is an appointed time. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 out of the contemporary English. Everything on earth has its own time. Everything on earth has its own time and its own season. What the Spirit of grace is telling us today, you, me, us, is that we have an appointed time, a special time, that is set aside just for us. Our not now, I mean, our right now. It's a time set aside as a special occasion. Ever listen to this. Everyone has their own time. Your time might happen before my time. And if I think I'll never have my time, I'll get jealous about your time, maybe even offended. But if I know that my time is coming, that God has appointed a time for Jimmy, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of unfulfilled promises in my life. That's why I know that I ain't half done yet. I like what Andrew Womack said one time. He said that at the pace his ministry was growing, in order for God to do everything that God would have to do, in order to, for it all to be fulfilled, Andrew was going to have to live to like 172. So that meant God had to speed things up. And when Andrew began to understand that there's a time for Andrew Walmack. God began to do suddenly after suddenly after suddenly after suddenly. And God can do in a moment of favor what you and I can't do in a lifetime of labor. 
I have a time. You have a time. We all have a right now time. And it's, it's, that, it's that special time where, we can say it this way, your ship comes in, man. A special time when you get that phone call that says the position is yours. And everything comes together and doesn't matter how long you waited because suddenly, surprisingly, one knock on the door, one email, one phone call, God brings it all to pass. And it's a special time. A time when we start walking like George. Why? Because I moved on up. Google it. Hmm. I wrote this down. I'll finish with this. Listen. In order to know when our not now has become our right now, sensitivity is key. And I'm just going to read these so I don't miss it. Sensitivity to God's voice to practice his presence is essential. Brother Hagen used to say it's easier to steer a moving car than one that's sitting still. You will make mistakes thinking it was God. But listen to this. If you refuse to hear, you're unlikely to hear. I would always rather err on the side of grace. Trying something only to say, you know what? It wasn't God. But next time I'll know better what his voice sounds like. So what does the voice of God sound like? In scripture, more often than not, and this is going to help you, it's a still small voice. We all tend to sensationalize the Hollywood version of the voice. You know what I mean by that? Well, how do I know when God spoke? Because I heard, Steve, Steve, this is Adonai, the Lord most high. I speaketh to thee. And if we don't hear that, we think, well, is God actually talking to me? More often than not, God speaks in a still, small voice. God spoke to Abraham and told Abraham, it's time to go. Do you think God spoke to his spirit or in Abraham? Most likely it was a still small voice that Abraham had so practiced the presence of God that when God spoke to him, he know, this is my now moment. Why am I saying this to you? Don't wait for a burning bush. I've had people say that, well, Pastor, when I... You know, God gave Moses a burning bush, and I'm looking for my burning bush. And I'm like, bro, that happened one time. One time in the entirety of Scripture to one man. And even in his experience, it never happened again. Just once. When God spoke to Noah and he said, build an ark, how do you think he spoke to him? Why do we want to believe Charlton Heston was even involved? I think that God spoke to him in a very gentle, small voice and said, Noah, bro, this is what I need you to do. And he began to do it. So you and I, as we practice the presence of God, as we think, you know, I think God said, if you think God gave you a word for someone, then share it. 
If you think God told you to do something, then do it. It's better to err on the side of grace because the more you step out of your comfort zone, you're going to develop your own ability to hear his voice. And then when God says, I've given you the city, now is your moment. Now's the time to go downtown and introduce yourself to the HR department because now that position is ready. It's the one you've been praying for for 10 years. You have believed if you ever got that position, all your dreams would come true. I got you the corner office. Go now, now, now. What do you do when it's now? You change your direction and you move toward the opportunity. Stand to your feet this morning. Was this okay?